So we are in Ephesians chapter 2. We spent a lot of time last week just looking at one word, dead, and what it means to be dead. And the idea is that it means to be separated. In fact, every instance that you find the word dead used in the New Testament, it always means separated in some fashion from something. Go ahead. More books. Uh, Dave has them. Are we out? Are we out of books? We're out. We're out of books. Pins. Your son needs a pen. One more book. Limited edition. All right. So we looked at what it was to be dead, but now we're going to move even further in the conversation. So I know that you guys were razzle-dazzled when we got through five verses in one Sunday, okay? That's amazing. Today we're actually going to hit seven, okay? I know. You're welcome. Okay. But... Here's what we want to do is, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, and since I asked you to open to chapter 1, I want us to start by looking in verse 15. A couple of reasons why we're going to do that, okay? Number one, this is the first real transition point in Paul's argument in the book. Number two, what he says, starting in chapter 1, verse 15, is all the ramifications of what he wants us to understand going through chapter 2, verse 7. So we've got to get the entire argument under one umbrella at one time. Now, you'll remember, when we talk about for this reason, this is every spiritual blessing. Now, I'm tempted to say we've spent enough time on that, but let's be honest, you can't. You've got to come back to it over and over, but that was found in chapter 1, verse 3. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. You are not lacking in anything. You are perfectly sufficient for all that you have. One of the greatest reasons why we must study the Bible every day is because we're coming into greater familiarity with everything that's already ours. Ladies, imagine that somebody came in and supplied you with a brand new closet of your favorite things to wear. Now notice the way I phrase that. I don't know how to relate to that. Whatever. Okay? I'm I'm 20 year old sweatpants guy. Okay? So, But in doing that, you may have a lot of beautiful and wonderful things at your disposal. But until you go through each one and begin to get familiar with it and understand how it's all going to work together in a beautiful ensemble, until that happens, you're not going to know. You possess it, but you don't have a firm grasp and understanding and knowledge of it. And so what Paul is calling for is, for this reason I too... Having heard of the faith, that's one characteristic that they had in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and the love for all the saints. So remember, it wasn't just the fact that it was vertical faith. Vertical faith exhibits itself in horizontal love within the body of Christ. He says that he does not cease to give thanks for you. That's always a good thing, thanksgiving. While making mention of you in my prayers, and here it is, asking, and this was our verse, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And remember, this word is epignosis. What he's getting at here is he's not saying, church, you guys are so ignorant that we've got to pray that you would even be able to grasp some of the things going on in the Bible. That's not what it is. It's saying that God is so deep 
and His truth that He has available to us is so deep. And God is not just at arm's length in our lives. God desires to hold us as close as we will want to draw to Him. At any given time as a Christian, we are as close as we want to be with God. All the time. So if we desire to have Him in that type of relationship, we will keep Him there. We will keep them there by not confessing sin, by not opening our Bibles, by not praying, by not attending church. All of those things, we'll just neglect it all in order to keep God in that situation. And we remain very sound in the establishment of our relationship in the cross of Christ. But what God desires is intimacy. He wants fellowship. And He said, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If we allow Him to pull in close, He will begin demonstrating Himself and actually set up shop in our lives in order to show us things that we would never see before. He desires to take us deeper. And Paul says the way for that to happen is not to be more committed and and, and to go against the desires of your heart in that situation. We often play church thinking that's the way to get it done. That either becomes legalism because we start looking at everybody else how not what they're doing that we are doing and so we condescend our brothers and sisters in Christ Or we get so frustrated in our own human wills of trying to keep up the game that we finally abandon it and go on a sin escapade. Forgive me, Janet Jackson. Escapade. Moving on. Some of you got that. Moving on. End up in denial of him. There's got to be a meeting in the middle. It's not just that the pendulum swings far left and far right both ways. Okay? There's got to be a meeting in the middle. And what is it? Simply coming before God and asking Him to begin developing this characteristic, this spirit among us of wisdom and of revelation, of unveiling, only the Holy Spirit can do that, in a deeper, more intimate, exact knowledge of Him. It's the only way it can happen. So notice, this right here in italics, it's not the original, translators added it, that's okay, we don't necessarily need it to move forward. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that's the illumination of the Spirit, and here's the reason. So that you will, one, know what is the hope of His calling. Two, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And three, and this is really where Paul decides to camp out. What is the surpassing greatness of His power in a qualified people towards us who believe? Belief is the only requirement for salvation. But if you have believed in Christ, God's amazing, magnanimous power is now fully available to you. One of the reasons why we don't understand the power of God is because we're too busy living in our own strength instead of accepting and embracing our weaknesses so that God can stretch in and fill in all those valleys that we actually have. we got to take off the Halloween mask and stop playing church. we got to get on our knees before the Lord and start being the church. That's very important. Only then will God move. Now, if you sit in my Sunday school class, you're either tired of hearing me say this or you're scared to death, okay? The world is going south quickly. America's going south quickly. Be prepared. There's everything in prophecy that we need to be paying attention to of what God's Word is telling us because it does not pass away. But in doing so, the mission of the church has not changed. We are still called to reach the lost and to build up one another. That's still what we're called to do, to be devoted to the Scriptures. Period. So that shouldn't change 
in any way, shape, or form. But if we don't know how to address that situation by being rid of ourselves so that we can be filled up with the Lord, it will not happen. His glory can only shine where He's given room to give His glory. Does that make sense? If I've got it filled with all other kinds of idols, and this is one of the spiritual things that we need to pay attention to in the Old Testament. Every time Israel was devoted to idols, God's glory did not have the opportunity to shine and to radiate to the nations. That's a problem. What's the solution? Clean out the idols so that God will come to stay. So that God will come to rest. So that God will actually pitch a tent, set up a tabernacle, establish and construct His home in your life. If that's a situation and you've given Him room, if you've given Him the real estate He deserves in your life, then He can't help but to want to set up in a residence of a heart that wants Him there. My concern is maybe too many Christians are willing to hold on to some things and keep Him at arm's length. So we've got to understand the surpassing greatness of His power. He gives us an example. What does His power look like? Pay very close attention to this wording. These are in accordance, because we're going to see this happen again, with part and parcel of a means of measurement, characteristic of this type of idea. Let me give you an example of what Paul's saying of what this looks like so you understand the relationship. He says here, the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ, in what? And notice that it's an event. How strong is God and what particular power is He talking about available to you? When He raised Him from the dead, so we've got the resurrection, and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenlies. And what is that? This is the ascension. Both of these. It's not just a simple fact that Jesus died. He paid for sins. Praise God. We thank Him for His grace. We're thankful that the blood is the payment. But God wanted to demonstrate His power. Death can't hold Him. Death set Him free from that. Or forgive me, God set Him free from that. Rolling back the stone. Come on out. He's alive. Don't you wish you were there? You wish you would have seen that. It's probably barely even light. And here Jesus comes walking out of this tomb. And I don't think He has to be all glowy in order to get me excited about it. Like some of the movies depict. I think it's just a simple fact of seeing His face. Seeing Him alive. This is what God does. God's power is demonstrated in raising the dead. Only He can do that. The second thing is, is He wasn't content. And here's an interesting thing. He wasn't content of just giving a factual event in history of raising someone who was dead and showing them to hundreds and hundreds of people at one time so that they would even give their lives to testify for this fact. But the power is also demonstrated in ascending Him to the right hand. Now, stop for a second. Can you see that? Can you see the Father ascending Christ to His right hand and Him seated there now? Can you see that? It's okay to say no. Uh, maybe? No, you can't see it. If you can't see it, come talk to me. Because I want to see it, okay? Tell me how you're seeing it. But, no, we can't see that right now. Why would God, think about this for a second, why would God cause Paul to bring that out and say, here's a way that His power has been shown. Here's a way that God's power has been shown, which is rich towards us who believe, in something that you and I can't see. Why would He bother to bring that up? If we don't pay attention to the argument moving into Ephesians 2, we don't know. We'll miss it. We'll miss it when He tells us. So now watch this. 
He's ascended him, and look what he goes on about. Far above, you know what that means? This, right there. Just keep doing them. It don't even matter. As many arrows as you can, far above. All the way up, well beyond the rankings, and pay attention because these are rankings. See this rule, authority, power, dominion. These are all rankings of celestial beings, probably mostly demons because we see three of these four designations mentioned again in the spiritual warfare section of this book in Ephesians chapter 6. So we've got to pay attention to this. Because God is taking us into the unseen and letting us know how cool Jesus is in the unseen realm. Now why does he want us to know this? Keep that question in your mind, okay? Notice, it's also above every name that is named. Doesn't matter what your name, Jesus' name is greater, okay? Not only in this age, okay? Present, but also in the one to come, the age to come, what's out ahead. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, being in subjection placed underneath for the fact of him having rulership over his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. He is our head. One of the greatest problems of not studying the Bible in church is that you're walking around headless. That's a problem. That's called a horror movie. Okay? It doesn't work. Too many churches are horror movies. We've got to be devoted to the Scriptures because it tells us about our head. And if we don't know our head, we will not follow Him. Okay? Next time, do this. Be sitting with somebody, preferably another believer in Jesus Christ. They ask you for something, a question. You need to go get something for them. Turn your head one way and walk your body another. See what happens. There's a good illustration. Moving on which is His body, that's us, and notice that we are the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So remember, just as Jesus is the incarnate manifestation of God the Father unto us, in the same way now that Jesus has ascended, we are the displayers and distributors of the idea of righteousness, light, the gospel, all of this stuff to the world now that He is no longer present. How do we do that? Because He's indwelt the Holy Spirit with the church, never did that to anybody else, of which we would be used by Him as instruments to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Is that saying that we do it? No. The Holy Spirit does it through us. So with all that being said, He then steps into this. And you, okay, so His audience, were. This is important. Previous position. Our previous position in life. We were dead. What does dead mean? Separated. What does dead mean? What does dead mean? Yes. Thank you. That's what your first answer should have sounded like. All right, moving on. And you were dead in, here's the problem. Because in speaks of our location. Trespasses. Missteps. Sins. Miss the mark. It didn't matter if we didn't even mean it. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. It was still wrong. It still counted against us. It was still a way of life. It was still just how we did things. It was still just how we acted. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. If you're here today, you're listening to me, you're unsaved, you're going to be highly offended by everything I have to tell you today, but I promise you this. I tell you because I love you, and I tell you because it's true. So please prepare your mind just to hear that. You get upset about it, you want to talk later, fantastic, let's do that. But notice what he says here. You were dead, separated from God, 
in your trespasses and sins, that's where you were vacationing, always, in that. In which you formerly, okay, so we're talking about previous life, walked. You know what that is? Condition. Our previous position was one in trespasses and sins. If you want to follow along and mark along, you don't like the way I mark it, mark your own cool, but get involved with the text, okay? Previously, we were in a position of trespasses and sins. And it led to a condition where the way that we led our lives was one of sinfulness always. Even our best intentions. Even Isaiah said, my good works are even filthy rags before you, Lord. They count as nothing when I look at who you are. Even the best I wanted to ever do apart from God is still against me. That's a sad state of affairs. It says here, now remember what we said earlier about according to? Everybody remember that? The working of His power was according to that. Let me read it to you one more time because I had it marked here. I thought I did. Maybe I did. I did. Where is it? Uh, Let's see here. Ah, Verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. This is how you know. Now watch this. We formerly walked in a certain way according to the course of this world. Does everybody see this word course? That's not the word. That is not the word that it should be in English. Okay? This word is aeon. And the word aeon is where we get the word ages from. And the idea is it's the way that our present time period of history has been set up. How do we know this? Because it's of this world. This world is the world cosmos. It's where we think about the cosmos. Tony Evans always loves to tell the part about the reason why cosmos is the way that it is. is because it's where you ladies get the word cosmetics from. And the word cosmos means to systematically set something in order. So when you're in front of the mirror and you have your cosmosmetics out in front of you, it's because you're setting something in order. If you ladies are upset, Maxine agrees with me. See her. Thank you, Maxine. There we go. So what does it mean? It means the age of this crafted system. Don't tell me for a moment you can't look at everything going on in the world right now and see that it has been carefully and evilly crafted. It's dangerous. It's invoking a fear. Those of us that have young kids, let's be honest, man, it's a whole different day being a parent. Everything that you've got to be aware of. We used to hear our parents say, well, it's because I got eyes in the back of my head. And that freaked us out enough, right? But today, we got to have more than that. We have to have more than that because of all the dangers that are out there. Understand that. That's not by mistake. That's not just somebody acting silly. This is Satan carefully putting together a patchwork quilt of hell on earth. That's his desire. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't care about people. For some reason, we think whether consciously or subconsciously, that Satan cares. He doesn't. He does not care. 
And if you pay attention to all of it, just pay attention to it. Again, get rid of your mainstream news sources. They're all bought and paid for. Get rid of them. Do research and look. They're after children. Period. That's who Satan wants. Why? Because he doesn't care. Remember what we heard about that? He's here to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. And that's the way this is set up. Now notice that it's also according to, everybody see how this works together? It's not just the course of the world, the age and its patchwork quilt of evil going on in one situation. It originated somewhere. It didn't just evolve and happen. Satan was meticulous in doing it. So he's labeled as the prince of the power of the air or the one who is the ruler over the empire of this present atmosphere is the way that one Greek scholar translated it. What does it mean? He's the God of this world. That's not blasphemous and that's not ejecting Jesus from where he's at at all. It's not saying that God doesn't have supreme control over things. Jesus himself says three times in the Gospel of John, he's the God of this world. He's the God of this present age. This is who he is. He's running it all. And so people who want to tell me that right now we're in the kingdom, I have a big problem with that. Because this kingdom smells. And I don't like it at all. And I think it's a kingdom all right. I just don't think it's Christ's kingdom. So, when we see this, uh, real quick, uh, let's go back to this. I don't remember what I'm doing here. But let's just hit this real quick, please. Three identifiers of Satan's world system. If you would, go to John 8.44. These are passages that are just good for you to know. I don't want to skip around too much here. I want to stay on task. But I want to give you some of this. Again, if you want much, much more in-depth stuff going on, check our website, go to the pastor's blog. And I've got a lot of notes up there for you. John chapter 8, verse 44. If you don't have this marked, please mark it. Let me take you back real quick. Everybody see this right here? The Spirit. And this is the same Spirit as a Spirit of wisdom and a revelation of the knowledge of Him, only in a negative connotation pertaining to Satan. It's the idea of a characteristic or a quality. The characteristic or the quality that is now, presently, even in this day and age, working in the sons of disobedience. Here's a hard fact for everybody to understand. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan is your father. That's a hard reality. Well, I don't understand that because I'm not a card-carrying you know, member of the church of Satan. For $200, you can be. And number two... You don't have to be in order to be working His will and doing His ways. All you've got to do is love you to be following Satan. All you have to do is have your life pivoted on selfish ambitions in order for you to be lockstep with Him on the way to the lake of fire. Now let me show you this. John 6, or sorry, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. Now this is Jesus speaking. If you've got red words, he is a guy that loved to impact people and influence them, okay? Don't know if he made many friends by this, but when he's talking to the Jews of that day, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Everybody see two big things there? Murder, lies. Murder, lies. Do we have a problem with murder today? Anybody visited Chicago recently? 
We have a, and there's a reason why. You don't want to get murdered because it is a murder capital. In fact, I think there's only a couple places that are worse than that. Indianapolis is bad. Minneapolis. Well, yeah. Yeah. And Washington, D.C. The head place of our government is one of the worst places to lose your life at in our country. That's insane. It's insane. But it's characterized by murder. And we don't have any lying going on, so we don't know what that's about, do we? Yeah. We don't need to prove that case. How about this? John 10.10. Look over at John chapter 10. I love this I love this verse because it gives us two contrasting statements about Satan and Christ so that you can see it clearly. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Take what's not yours, kill you, and destroy everything in sight. Are we seeing that? We've had enough executive orders to stop a society. All of them bad. Not one thing has been signed where we're like, whoa, what? what? Yeah! Yeah! Thank you! Nobody's saying that. And why is that? Because it's all evil. I don't care if it's the foggy white man in office or the orange man in office, it doesn't matter. They all play the same fiddle. And it's all bad. Bought and paid for. So you guys think I care. I don't. It's ridiculous. We've got to stop being deluded by this stuff. We've got to recognize that our king has not come yet. That we, are, we worship at one throne. Period. That's where it's at. Notice, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Here's what Jesus says. I came that they may have life to establish a relationship with them eternally and to have it abundantly. It's not static. It's vibrant. Not just to get across the threshold but to take you into the deeper areas of the house so that you can live, truly live. That's another characteristic we see going on in our lives. Another one, 2 Corinthians 10. You know what, I actually think I got that one wrong. I think it's 4. Forgive me for that. Watch this. There you go, fix it. All right. 2 Corinthians 4. Yep, I got it wrong, I'm sorry. 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Paul says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Why? Because they don't have God's light. Watch this. The gospel's veiled. Why? Verse 4. In whose case the God of this world, there it is, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is actively working in this present age world system with the purpose of taking a blindfold and everyone who doesn't believe he's trying to put it over their eyes so they cannot see the purity of the gospel i just had a conversation with somebody this week they told me that there was good in them and this is the reason why they were going to heaven i looked at them and said no that's not how you get there that's not what god's word says it is by christ and christ alone he died for your sins he's like yeah but i think this other person died for my sins as well you know what that told me? Here's what I was dealing with. Somebody who had been blinded by Satan. And I could tell it was going to take a few hours to chisel through that wall. And they didn't, weren't willing to give me that time. What do you do? You give them a gospel track and say, I'll pray for you. 
because they were blinded to the truth of the gospel. They just, it couldn't click for them. It was incredible to see. It was something else. These are the things that characterize this world. So that when we talk about people being the sons of disobedience, the spirit or the character quality of Satan that exists in this world, the Bible is dead on the money of what we're seeing right now in front of us. Let's not ignore it. Let's not pretend it's not there. Back to Ephesians. Notice if it wasn't bad enough to have Satan carefully crafting this world system according to his end goals, but notice it's also among them we too. Now I love this because Paul includes himself. It's a personal inclusive pronoun. Among them we too, all formally, all of us. In other words, nobody's exempt from this starting point except for the Lord Jesus Christ. We all formerly lived, we made our home in the lusts of our flesh. Doesn't matter how that plays out, just because it uses the word lust doesn't mean it has to be sexual in nature. It could be anything. It could be the simple fact that we don't even know what to do with the money that God's blessed us with. It could be the simple fact that we've decided this year, you know what, I think I'm going to cheat on my taxes. That's what I'm going to do in this situation. Why? Because we want more and for some reason we're never satisfied and we are consumer mentality. This is the way we've been geared that materialism is king. Understand this. That's not by accident. It's not harmless and no big deal. Satan crafted it this way. Satan has gotten us addicted. We're all smoking the weed. How do we know that? I love you and I believe you. You get a pass today. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been in a situation where you're waiting for something? Waiting on somebody? Waiting to get through a line? Walmart? What's the first thing you do? Pull out your phone. Why? Because Aunt Margie's kitten just had babies. And I better like that before anybody else because she's going to call me on it. And this person did this. And this person did this. And this person did this. And And what are we doing? That's what we're doing. You laugh because you think it's not true. It's true. Or you laugh because you know it's true. Because we find ourselves walking around like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? i got to find a vein. Where's my phone? And that's how we act. Because we are addicted to that thing. Now, have you ever noticed that a lot of the things we're addicted to seeing are not the things that are leading us to greater righteous levels with Christ? It's not taking us deeper with the Lord. It's not captivating our hearts and minds so that we find, hey, I'm not surrendered to the Lord in this area of my life. I need to be. Lord, please. Be Lord over this area of my life because I've been using it on my own. It needs to be put in your hands because you can do it better. That doesn't happen that way. And yet we still persist. And then the way that's set up, why? Because we have lust in our flesh. Our flesh desires to be entertained like that. Notice we indulge those desires. It ain't going to harm nothing. One of the worst things, Beth makes cookies. It's over. It's over. I can just hear it now. Where did these cookies go? Like, hey, we got two boys. She said, are you blaming our boys? I said, no, I'm just stating a fact we got two of them. <laughs> Deduce what you will. She's like, you ate those cookies. That's what she knows. She's, these are, she's got great discernment. So notice, indulging the desires of the flesh. What is opposite the flesh, do we know? Spirit. The flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh so that you cannot do what you want to. That's the way the struggle goes. It's real. Notice, and of the mind. Everybody see this? This is not the word uh, nous for mind. It's actually the idea for thoughts. 
And you'll have this in your marginal note. But it's also translated understanding. Now think about this. Your thought, your thought patterns have even gotten captured by this. The way that you think about life. The way that you come across the idea of simple definitions and how they're defined out for you. And when you come across something that's truth that shatters your paradigm, because the Word of God has spoken to something differently. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. You've got to re-get your bearings. You've got to stop for a moment. Because the Word of God is telling you something different than how all the world is doing this. Let me give you an example. College students, talk to me afterwards. This whole idea with carbon problems, climate change, and carbon credits. Okay? I'm tired of this junk. Let me tell you why. We just talked about this in Sunday school. The Lord has told us, seed time and harvest, hot and cold, summer and winter. It's all going to continue until the earth passes away. We know when that happens. The end of Revelation 20, beginning of Revelation 21. We know the timetable for the end times because God has graciously, graciously given it to us in the Bible. So when somebody's telling me that if I don't use a certain kind of recycled plastic, I'm going to kill baby seals, I don't buy it. And the reason why I don't buy it is because they're lying to me. They've bought into an ideology that is going to be used in order to control people. They're going to guilt trip you and penalize you in this situation. Well, that's not real. Cool. Call me a heretic and then give yourself a year and see what happens. The world is moving towards this. And we've got to recognize it as an ungodly philosophy. How do we know that? Because God told me how things are going to go. God already gave me a promise. God speaks in His Word. It's the truth. And He speaks authoritatively. So there's nothing to argue with. You know what they're going to do after that? They want to take the Bible away from me. Why is that? I know better than they do about the situation. You can't deceive somebody who has the truth in their possession. So understand, everything is set up like this in order to lead us astray. And notice, we were by nature. You know what that nature is? Let's call it what it is. Sinful. We were children of wrath. We were deserving the outpouring judgment of God upon us. That's what we deserve. All of us are prime candidates for it. The bullseye is large and clear from afar. And notice, even as the rest, you know what that means? No exemption. Everybody's guilty. Our victim mentality that has been cultivated in our day and age about how it's not my fault, I couldn't help it, blame my dad, all that stuff, that's from Satan as well. Period. It is. Because it allows everybody to throw up their hands and say, I have no personal responsibility. I have no skin in the game. And if anything, I should be compensated rather than held accountable. Hey, take the good, take the bad. Take them both. There you got Facts of life. Am I not telling you the truth about this? And notice, this is what Satan has done. So understand, we're constantly treading on enemy territory. We were all there on that team. But then we have something glorious. I should ask you to do that for me. It must be much more operatic than that. Two greatest words ever. But God. But God. It's going to come down the pipe like this. Antichrist is going to rise to power slowly. But in the middle of that three and a half years of the tribulation, he will declare himself to be God and he will tell the world, worship me or I will kill you. Many lives will be lost. 
Woe to you who are pregnant or nursing in that day. Why? Because you're not going to be able to get away from the travesty, from the hardship that is going to undertake you and kill you. Now praise God as the church. We're not destined for the wrath of God and we will be alleviated from that in the rapture of the church. But that's not so for our lost people. When He rises to power and gathers all the nations of the world to come against Israel in the Valley of Megiddo in the Middle East, it's all going to look hopeless. And what's amazing is, is when all hope is lost, but God steps into the situation. In fact, it's no different from how we should understand this in our own lives. Why? Because knowing where we were and likening to the idea of Christ losing His life and being buried, God steps in and brings life out of death. That's what He does. Notice that He is rich in mercy. I love this. Already, God didn't have to muster mercy. He didn't have to talk Himself into being merciful. Even before time ever began and He created anything, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit exercised mercy with one another. Good grief, what in the world did that look like? I don't know. But it was fantastic. It was amazing. And here's the amazing thing about it is, it's available already to us. There's something about God being merciful that creates something in Him as an incredibly personal being of where He's got to get involved in our sad, sick, satanic situation. Try saying that five times fast. But notice this, because I love this. This is John 3.16. Because of His great love. Here's the reason. God would have been perfectly just to say, you know what, you guys sinned, you messed up, you're going to hell. Sorry. He could have done that. Mercy in him would not let him do that. But what raised his hand to get involved was love. Love moved God to get involved in my situation and your situation by doing so. And notice, it's not just his great love and it's kind of aimless going everywhere. Just love everybody. That's not what he's doing. It's directed to something. He's not hugging trees, okay? I'm offending everybody today. It's fine. But notice, with which he loved us. You know who that is? You. That's so cliche. Don't ever discount that. So many people go throughout life waiting, teetering on the idea, having daily thoughts, entertaining the fact that they should just kill themselves because they're worth nothing. Stop. God loves you. That's reason for it right there to say no. God's given you a better way. He's provided a better solution. He's given a greater hope. Why? Because he loves you, but I don't deserve it. He knows that. You know that. Guess what? It didn't stop him. Why? Because he's rich in mercy and he extends in love. That's what he does. Notice that it's personal. It's so personal. Notice this. Even when we were dead, didn't matter if we were on his team or not, he still loved us. It's easy to love people on your own team, isn't it? Good grief, we hate the Chicago Bears with a vengeance. What's that? He's not here, that's why I could say that. But it's a whole different ballgame to love people who are not on your team. We reason through why we shouldn't associate with that person or the way maybe they, they've wronged us and our love for them should stop. Notice that God says, of course you've all wronged me. I don't care. My mercy will build a bridge to overcome that and my love will extend to you to receive you unto myself. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, our missteps, even when we were bumbling children who were pooping on ourselves all the time, it didn't matter. 
He stretched beyond that and He still received us unto Himself. Notice, He made us alive together with Christ. In other words, the same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same thing that He did to give our dead separated selves a brand new eternal life. That's what He does. He regenerated us. And notice, it's almost like Paul can't contain himself. They even put it in a parenthesis here. By grace, you have been saved. Here's what's amazing. I think I've got about 20 more slides. But, since Emily didn't make that request, I am going to wrap this up. Because I'm just getting into the really good stuff. But I want you to think about this real quick. We are, honestly, let's just be honest, sometimes we're an incredibly lonely people. It's hard to sit here and identify with the world in any stretch of the imagination. You can't even watch Sesame Street anymore. That's where we're at. You can't trust Mickey Mouse anymore. We're, we're in trouble with those things. We're really scraping to try to embrace things while we're temporarily vacationing here in this world until we're called home. But one thing I think is important to recognize that we all have, number one, the body of Christ was put together for a reason. Acceptance is found here because it's at the foot of the cross. Love is found here because Jesus is the one who gave it. When He says, even while you were a sinner, I outstretched and received you to Myself, what that tells me is, is whatever you're thinking was so bad that He wouldn't come to you, He didn't care and He still came to you. Do you understand that? Sometimes our personal mentality about our sins, because we know them so intricately, has kept the Lord of glory away from rescuing us. Recognize that that is a formulation of Satan. It is not the truth. No, here's what we're told. Past don't matter. This is what God does, not cod, God. The left side of this kills me, it really does. But here's the amazing thing. By grace you have been saved. Obviously it's time to wrap it up. By grace you've been saved. Don't let that get stale. By grace you've been saved. Do me a favor real quick. Say it with me. By grace you've been saved. It's okay to think, well, I don't have anything to offer to the Lord. He knows. Well, I've never done anything good of which you should pay attention. He knows. Well, I've got this major problem in my life. I don't know how I'm going to overcome it. Guess what? He knows and He's there to be the support you need to get past that. Because it can't be done in your power. You probably tried too many times to overcome that. And you failed every time. And it's discouragement. And it's like people heaping a wet blanket on you all the time. And it's so heavy to bear. Guess what? Doing it with God's strength radiating through you because you're actually coming to the point of weakness. God, I can't do it. That's where you have to be. That's where it comes. That's where the power of God's made manifest. Remember this. What is He telling us? The exact same power that God used to raise Christ and to ascend Christ. We'll get to the reason why He was ascended next time. But to ascend Christ is the exact same power that He extends in a hand saying, come to Me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, we know that. We know that. 
Today, if you don't know Jesus, come talk to me. Your situation is serious. Your position is destitute. Your condition is dire. But understand this. But God makes all the difference. And but God has come in to make salvation available to everyone through Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for our time together. Thank You that the cross offers hope. Thank You that Your power is purely manifested despite all of our weakness, inadequacy, not deserving, coming up short, just feeling crummy about ourselves, whatever it might be. Those are not roadblocks for Your love. Your love shines through regardless of what sad castle we've built or regardless of what bad lot we find ourselves or regardless of the way that people have used or abused us. You are a God of complete and incredible and amazing love. Father, thank You that You have made us alive through Jesus Christ. It's only through Him that this is possible. It's only through Him that we stop carrying those sins, we stop bearing that guilt, and we lay down that burden. So Father, help us realize Your power has been manifested through us. And Paul's prayer is that he wants us to know it. He wants us to get it. He wants us to see it. He wants us to experience it. And I pray, God, that You would use us, Lord, as believers in Christ, to tell others about this. This message needs to be told because the world is leading us in evil ways because it's been constructed in an evil fashion. Your truth reigns. And that's where we need to bank our hopes. Father, change our lives through this. We pray it in Christ's name.